Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. And I'm so glad that you are here today. Let's grab our Bibles and look at one scripture, particularly in Matthew chapter 17. Meet me at verse 14, and let's start there today. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we jump into your word, we ask your Holy Spirit would come right now and quicken the scriptures to our understanding. Let the light go on. And we thank you that this is, this is carried out by your Holy Spirit. We thank you for him, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all say amen. Praise God. Oh, by the way, we have our Israel brochure up and on the website, stephenbrooks.org. Click that first slider that comes up, or look at the header. There's a header at the top of the website, and the entire brochure is there, and you can click on it. You can download it uh, with your smartphone. You can scan it there on the website, stephenbrooks.org, and get ready to go to Israel with us. April 29 through May the 9th, 2024, it's going to be fantastic. We have secured some amazing sites and some uh, absolutely beautiful hotels. I want to see you on this tour as we will go to really the very best of Israel. Praise God. Okay, now Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. Oh, he's an epileptic. Well, it actually says in the Greek that he is moonstruck. And that is interesting. Uh, it seems like there's sometimes of the year or sometimes of the day, maybe like at night when the moon comes out, like of these full moons, uh, some people, they do weird things. It's like there are certain seasons, maybe political seasons, and people, they almost become like robots. And it's like the enemy can just work through them in these varied seasons that maybe like, maybe it's like Halloween or maybe it's uh, something else, but it's like people succumb to that spirit. And whatever that spirit is, is looking to express itself through uh, vessels in, a, in some ways where like there's nobody home. You know what I'm saying? Uh, somebody's there, of course, but they are either suppressed or, or in this case, you know, we have this spirit afflicting this child. But my friends, be aware of that. Uh, you know, in Israel, uh, when people come to Israel, particularly for the first time as a visitor, when they go up on the Temple Mount, there is a phenomenon known as the Jerusalem syndrome. And I've seen it hit some people that are very, very weak spiritually, uh, that don't know the word and don't really walk in the spirit. I've seen that, that like a syndrome hit them. And the next thing you know, they're, they're acting in a very strange way. Uh, one man on a certain trip, and I was a guest speaker on this man's uh, tour uh, to Israel, so a very famous TV personality. He said, Stephen, come be my speaker. So I did. And, uh, you know, so there's uh, hundreds of people on the tour. And there was one man that when he came, he did not bring his medication. And so he was like uh, hoping that God would heal him somehow in Jerusalem. Well, anyhow, uh, that didn't really happen. So his medication wore off. And uh, a lot of the, the things that he dealt with really begin to manifest. And uh, uh, to the point where on the last day, he actually went up on the Temple Mount, took his shirt off and started waving it around like a flag and, and screaming, I'm willing to die, a holy martyr. I'm coming, to, you know, and uh, screaming all kinds of things about the jihad and stuff like that. And uh, <laughs> well, you know, the police don't know if this guy's a madman or lunatic or, uh, and, but they, you know, pulled him down and got a hold of him and talked to him and basically realized he's American. American tourist whose medication wore off and he's acting out. And, you know, so spirits work very easily through people like that with the moon struck or whatever it might be. People kind of get struck by this, these weird phenomena that swing through the earth. So be aware of that. And it does, uh, the enemy does uh, try to work with these cycles uh, on weak people. Okay. Now, He's an epileptic, suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Well, you know, that's the dirty devil. 
Pastor Stephen, we need to discern whether this is God or the devil. Well, if it was God, God would sit him on the couch. If it was God, God would sit him down in a chair. When it's the devil, the devil throws him into the water to drown him, you know, potentially, throws him into the fire to try to burn him and kill him. My friends, it's not easy to discern. Uh, uh, or it is easy to discern because uh, the works and the proofs are quite clear. The devil is a killer, and he does bad things to people and tries to kill them and drown them. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. Now, of course, if you're perverse, or twisted, or into iniquity, there's no way your faith is going to operate. It's just not going to work. The first thing that you need to do to have strong faith, if this is like new to you, is that you need to walk uh, with an upright heart, and if you miss it or make a mistake, you need to repent. Woo, praise God. Pray, don't turn the channel just because we mentioned that word. I know it makes some people get a little, a little nervous. They're probably the ones that need to repent, okay? So he says, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. Pastor Stephen, why did it come out? Well, because it was in him, and it came out by the authority that Jesus carried. So, yes, it came out. Praise God. These things have to go. Now, I want to share something with you. Very, very interesting today. And the child was cured from that very hour. Some healings, miracles, in this case, deliverance, some deliverances can be just boom, just like that. And that second, that minute, that person is delivered, and you know the devil's gone. Uh, others, uh, it's that hour. And within that hour, the enemy uh, has left, and all of his uh, baggage that he had inside of the house, he's got all of that out too, and he's finally gone. So when you minister in the anointing, you let that anointing go into the person and let it work. And I've seen it in healing where sometimes they're healed right on the spot, but I can't even begin to uh, list all of the healings that took place after the prayer of faith was released, after I laid hands on the person. Sometimes it was two hours later, sometimes 30 minutes later, sometimes, sometimes 24 hours later where they woke up and it's all gone the next day. It's, it's all gone. And so that's the effect of that shot or that injection of the anointing into a person. And also it's, it's mixing with the level of that person's faith. So the greater also of their faith to grab it and to be like a sponge and to ingest it, the faster that anointing is going to work, whether it's deliverance whether it's a uh, sick person or whatever the case might be. But the long story short, uh, the demon came out and the child was cured. So the symptoms begin to leave. The demon's gone and all of the junk that he was doing to the child's body, everything leaves. And it left within that hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. So it's really one core problem here. Now we know that the disciples are not a perverse generation in the sense where they're not out doing uh, wicked and evil things. They're following Jesus and they're being discipled or under discipline and being trained by the Lord himself. But still there was unbelief even within their hearts because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, so this would be the God kind of faith, and it doesn't take a lot, but what happens is you begin to meditate as you begin to spend time in God's word. Maybe you read your Bible for 30 minutes or an hour or maybe you came across one scripture. How many times has this happened? You're wanting to read maybe three or five or 10 chapters and you start reading. And within just a couple of minutes, you find one statement that's so profound, you can't skip on. Uh, and that's the thing. You want to be flexible. Even if you have a three chapter a day, read through the Bible in a year uh, reading program, 
If you get on some hot manna, you need to stop and uh, soak that in and uh, take your time there. So it doesn't take a lot of that mustard seed faith because that's the God kind of faith. It's very powerful. And all you need is just a little bit of it. And when it builds and builds, it wants to express itself. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say. The reason that some believers do not make bold, faith-filled confessions or proclamations or decrees, the reason they don't do it is simply because it's not like they haven't had exposure to maybe what we would call word of faith teaching. Uh, it's just that they, they don't have faith. Not that they don't have faith for salvation, not that maybe that they don't have faith to, uh, you know, kind of like maybe move through the basics of life, but in whatever area it is where they need a mountain to move, no, they don't have faith for that. And so they have not built up faith in that area. Therefore, they cannot release or pull that trigger of release of power. But my friends, I'm telling you, when you do spend time in the word and you get on those hot, uh, uh, scriptures that just, uh, uh, cause your faith to become like a volcano. Well, the volcano wants to erupt. In other words, that faith wants to be released. So what will you do? You will speak it out. You will say to this mountain. So yes, we do pray, but, uh, uh we're not told to pray to the mountains or just repetitively pray to God about the mountains, but rather we're told to speak to them. You will say to this mountain, move, from here to there, and it will move. Now, that's very important. Jesus is basically saying that if you get your faith built up in the Word of God and you tell it to move, in other words, if you work it, it's going to work for you. Praise God. And this is something that you need to stay on. This is something that if you have a mountain, you know, it could be a, a way of chipping away at the mountain, or it could be that you're hitting it, hitting it, and suddenly the whole thing just slides like an avalanche into the sea and it's gone immediately. Other times it might be take it down little by little, but eventually if you really work it, it will work for you. Praise God. Move from here to there, and it will move. Now, get ready for this. We really need to give heed to these, I'd call them like mind-boggling statements that Jesus made. I think we could read them and, and say, wow, that's amazing, but I think we need to go slowly on these and get it into our spirit, and nothing will be impossible for you. Wow, praise the Lord. Nothing. That's a wide scope. Nothing will be impossible for you. So there is no mountain that exists in your life, something that is a representation of being there that is not God's will, that you cannot speak to in faith and that it won't move. Nothing will be impossible for you. There's some things that you need to speak to to get out of your life, and there's some other things that are good that you need to speak to and say, move over here and get in my life because you are an appointment with destiny and come on in, come on in, woo, call it in, hallelujah. So nothing will be impossible for you. So you can be healed, but you must speak to that sickness or disease with a strong faith, mustard seed faith, and tell it to leave, tell it to go, command it to go, and it will. And you can speak to abundance and say, come on into my life. Praise the Lord. And you could speak to toxic debt and say, you've got to get out in the name of Jesus. Move, move out of my life. And I throw you into the sea in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And it will obey you. And you can do these things that God has put on your heart. You can travel abroad. Maybe you want to go to a certain college. You can do it, but you have to work with the mustard seed faith and nothing will be impossible for you. Praise God. We cannot sit around and look at these things that would be mountains or large hills and say, well, we're going to just tolerate you. No, we have to do our part and get them out. Praise the Lord. Now, again, in verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? 
Now, in this case, that would be the context of casting out this spirit of epilepsy that's in this child. How come we couldn't do it? But you could, you could apply that to anything. Lord Jesus, how come we could not cast out this sickness that's uh, trying to afflict our bodies? Uh, Lord Jesus, how come we could not get this thing resolved that is being such a trouble to us? Well, in many cases, it is because of unbelief. And we do have faith for salvation. Maybe you had faith to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But some of these things can be very pesty, uh, like a pestilence that want to stick around. But you know what? If you keep working it, they will dissolve and be removed. Even in verse 21, Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Oh, absolutely. There are some stubborn devils. Absolutely. And they... Uh, they don't respond to screaming and shouting, even if it's done by a Pentecostal person. Woo, praise the Lord, who dances in church and wears their shoes out. That's all good. Dance, praise God. Scream and shout. Amen. Do all of that fun stuff. But if there's no anointing, the devil has absolutely zero respect for that. Matter of fact, they think it's funny. They, they think, you're well, the person's just wearing themselves out. <laughs> so we must be in the Spirit. And you need to know that lest also the devil tried to catch you at a moment when uh, you're low. And if he's going to try to catch you at a low moment, he is gonna, he's going to do it with a counter strike where there is a wickedness that is a, at a high moment. And he will try to lure you in. Watch out. He can even do it, sadly enough, sometimes through Christians that might be naive and might even be used as like bait or like blind guides to lead you. Uh, into something that could be uh, a real trap for you because you're low while they're high. You know, um, years back, uh, uh, going back about 70 years, there was a great man of God in South Africa. His name was William Duma. And uh, Pastor Duma talked about the time that he was at a low point, and he knew he was. He, uh, and he had gotten so busy with ministry, he didn't have enough time to pray. And then he had some visiting preachers. And one of these preachers uh, that was from England said, I want to get my picture taken with a real witch doctor. And, of course, Duma, you know, knowing about how evil all of that is, said, like, well, why would you want to do that? He's like, well, I want a picture so I can take the picture back and show it to all my friends back in England. And uh, uh, so Duma thought, well, that's crazy. But, uh, but he felt like he's got obligated to do this for this guy uh, who's a preacher. And so uh, the next day, uh, and again, he's rushed. He doesn't have time to do his prayer time and stuff like that. And so the, the next day, they uh, come across one of these witch doctors who's outside of his hut. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the preacher said, I want to get my picture with that guy. And so, um, so they go up to the guy, and, uh, you know, the preacher said, from England says, I want to get my picture with you, and so there's a price you have to pay. And, and so he says, you both have to pay. And Pastor Duma said, well, what are you going to do with the money? He says, well, I'm going to give it to the ancestors that, you know, they worship their ancestors, the ancestral gods. And uh, Duma said, well, I can't, I can't uh, pay for anything like that. And the other preacher said, I'll pay yours too. And so, and then it, uh, it, go, it gets worse. And then so the witch doctor says, well, you have to come inside my hut. And see, this was Duma never wanted anything like that. Just take, snap, snap a photo and go. But now you got to go in the hut. And it went, it went downhill real quick. And this, this guy was one of the leading witch doctors. He was completely uh, demon-possessed. And, um, and so, the, you know, so you got these two guys in the hut, these two preachers in the hut with this witch doctor. And uh, one of the preachers is totally in the flesh. The other preacher is a spiritual giant, but he's totally out of the anointing. He hasn't, he's been so busy with ministry, he hasn't prayed or anything. And... Um, and so a, a horde of demons came into that hut and, um, and the sound of hundreds of snakes began to hiss. And the witch doctor said, ah, the ancestors are here. The kings that I worship are here and we will now bind your souls. And, and those two preachers looked at each other and said, we need to get out of here. The South African pastor, because that's the one they were after. He was the one that had the anointing and the miracles. The other one they didn't even care about. But uh, the, uh, it took everything uh, that that pastor had to get out of there and get back to his place of prayer. And he had to lay on his face and fast 
and uh, not eat any food or even drink anything for days just to come out of that dense fog. And even in the midst of that, Satan tried to kill him and tried to lure him down into the ocean and drown him in the ocean uh, with demons leading him. And an angel came and pulled him out right at the last moment. But, oh, you're talking about a fight just to get back to normal ground. So you have to really watch out for these things that are out there and uh, be on your guard. There's some stubborn uh, cases. There are some hard things you can come up against. So you must fast and you must pray as the Holy Spirit leads you. And uh, let me give another little uh, plug here because some people, they'll go 20 years and they'll say, God never led me to fast. Well, just do it anyhow as a spiritual, spiritual discipline. Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, there doesn't always have to be some kind of a leading. Just do it because it is part of your spiritual vitality and health. Woo, praise God. Amen. So however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So when you work with that and you're in the word, your faith can grab it. Woo, praise God. Now you're dangerous. Now you are a dangerous person to the kingdom of darkness. So always remember, especially if you ever operate with deliverance and things like that, the enemy um, is not liking it when you're uh, on the front like that. So you have to um, uh, be careful, know when you're tired and, uh, and be careful about that. I, I know that after I do big meetings the next day, um, the enemy, uh, he knows I'm tired and I, he's got stuff cooking. I know that I ride low. I ride low. One time, um, and this is what made William Duma famous was he raised the girl from the dead that had been dead for over four days. And, um, when she was raised from the dead, uh, it shocked the community. It, uh, and some people screamed in terror when they saw the young girl was alive again, <laughs> You could only imagine. And that sent repercussions everywhere. Shockwaves through the villages, newspaper reporters, everybody was there. And Jesus appeared to Duma in a vision and said, now the enemy is not going to be happy about this. So you go lay in the dirt for a while, go low. Okay. And that, that's the time a lot of people want to, uh, try to work it. Be very, very careful. Be very, I'm, I'm telling you, some of you, you think it's a game. Uh, it's all fun until you get hurt. Be careful. Praise the Lord. Keep your prayer life up. Keep your walk with God up. Woo, praise God. I, I feel like I'm just totally like uh, off, off topic, <laughs> but I feel it's on topic spiritually because uh, the Holy Spirit's wanting me to share some of these things. Nothing, look, not, you'll get into the zone where nothing will be impossible for you. And you know, as a mature believer, you're not trying to do everything. You're not reaching for everything. Anything that God has that's out of reach, you shouldn't want to even touch it. You shouldn't want to hold it. You shouldn't want to try to claim it and bring it into your life. I know what my inheritance is. I'm not after other stuff. There's a million different directions you could go in. You must possess your land, the nation of Israel. You have 12 tribes. You have the half tribe of uh uh, you have, you know, Manasseh and Ephraim. You had one, one tribe living on the other side of the river Jordan. Everybody's got, everybody's got their allotment. You can't be trying to grab everything. You grab what's yours and you, that, that'll be enough alone to keep you busy all of your life and driving out the inhabitants that are trying to hold back, uh, you from coming in, drive them out, praise the Lord, but make sure you go after your thing and nothing will be impossible for you. So, it's praying, fasting, but it's also meditating on the word to get that mustard seed faith that and it doesn't take a lot. And when it's up there, boom, speak to it. Woo, speak to it. Praise God. But stay on that. Stay on that. And you'll see it. You'll see it wither, die. You'll see it leave your life. And Jesus said, and it will move. It will. So if you work it, it'll, it'll move. So that's extremely um like amazing because it opens up a realm of vast possibilities for you where nothing will be impossible for you. So you can get things out again. You can bring things that are needed in and you're going to, you're going to praise the Lord. Now, one of the important aspects of manifesting the impossible into the realm of reality is that while you want to walk in faith, 
you you have to work with God's timing. And let me say this, please don't ever get offended or upset at God because the timing is not going the way that maybe you think it is, or maybe even the way that others have suggested the way they think it should go as if they're somehow have now taken over the role of the Holy spirit. Look at this in Psalm 31. Mm -mm. Psalm 31 I'm so glad you're here today learning about these things of God, studying his word with me and learning about the ways of the spirit. Psalm 31, let's go to verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Please say that right now. Say, God, my times are in your hand. Some of you, you need to stop timing God. Turn off your chronograph. Stop uh, trying to like put God on some kind of a countdown timer uh, of like when he's got to do it for you. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm, uh, I, I just passed 40, or I just passed 50, or I just passed 60, or, or whatever it might be. You know what? You need to relax, praise God, and walk in the Spirit in the spirit, faith is always now. So your, your faith is on, you're in faith for it, but you have to let God work these things out concerning manifestation. And then you've got some people that would say, which is very arrogant. Well, well, if God was going to do something, surely he would have done it by now. Well, hold, hold on, hold on <laughs> just a moment. We're getting in some areas where People would not directly say it, but you're now actually affronting the character of God. If God was going to do something, he would have done it by now. Wow. Uh, so like, where's that coming from? Well, somebody told me that my, my brother-in-law told me that they're keeping an eye on me and they think I should be having moved a little bit further along. Really? Uh, you, you, you need to, you need to watch out for these things lest you end up getting mad at God as if he did, actually did something wrong when it's impossible for him to do anything wrong. It's not God's fault. It's, it's an area of timing that you need to submit to Lord, Lord have mercy. Should he have already had done it because you know, you would have blown it in the depth of your heart. You would know just like Joseph would have known. Thank God for the 13 years of prison. I needed it. Did I enjoy it? Not a single day, but was it necessary? Yeah, every single day of it was. Praise the Lord. Some of you, if you'd have had it by now, you would have self-destructed. Not, not only would you have self-destructed, you, you would have done it not only privately, you would have done it publicly. And sometimes in those cases, it's very, very hard to recover. People, uh, even Christians, seem to have very unforgiving memories sometimes. <laughs> Doesn't mean God can't give you the second chance, but you might have to, you might have to kind of like bring in a different angle on it. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I've seen people that get like these premature type breakthroughs, but it's premature and they forced it. Uh, and they hyped it or they, they, they did things that got them there early, maybe two years early. They were not ready for it and they lost the whole thing. And then the enemy recaptured it. And now they don't even have that anymore. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Be careful. God, God holds time in his hands. He holds you the time of your breakthrough. He holds the time of your promotion. He holds the time of lifting up in your hands. He holds the time of increase. He holds your harvest in his hands. Trusting it's going to be better than you even are anticipating, but you've got to trust God in this area. Don't murmur or complain about it because you're murmuring against the Lord. If you do praise God, Ecclesiastes chapter three, also shares some insight into this. Mm -mm. He, that would be God, has made everything beautiful when? In its time. Okay? 
God has made everything beautiful in its time. Right timing equals beautiful results. I mean, you know, this is the moment, you know, I'm ready. Praise God. It's like, it's like being a world-class Olympic athlete and you know, you're at the pinnacle of your athletic potential. I had that happen really just one time when I was running track and field. I ran track all through high school. Then I ran track in college. And I had one day, I was a sophomore in college where I just woke up and uh, it was the day of a conference uh, championship. And I just felt, my legs felt like great. I felt everything about me felt great and everything came together. I had a I had a, a friend of mine, he was fully sponsored by uh, Puma, and he had given me a brand new pair of Puma shoes uh, to train in and, and also to race in. And, a, uh, and I had another friend that was fully sponsored by Nike back in the day. That was Nike Athletics West, which is where all the famous athletes were at. And he gave me some more stuff, and it all came together. And I woke up on this one day with my special shoes to run in and everything else for the, for the college team I was on. And I ran the fastest time I ever ran. Matter of fact, I, I never uh, topped that, actually. Kind of got injured after that and tried to get back to that place, but never did. But that day, I felt like, I felt like I'm going to go into a new place. And when I crossed the finish line, uh, the college coach, his son was on the team, and he was a distance runner with us. And he was pretty good. And he said, I can't. And when I crossed the finish line, he said, he said, Stephen, did you know what time you just ran in the 1500? He said, I said, no. And he told me the time. I was like, wow. <laughs> I said, I can't. And they were like, wow, what happened to you? I was like, well, I had a really good day. I had a really good day. And you can tell when you're warming up, your legs feel like no fatigue or anything like that. Now, you can't, can't maintain that. You can't, you can't hold that forever. But um, when it comes together with God's blessing on your life, that's what it's like. Everything comes together. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're almost there. I'm telling you, you're in the season, but you're about to cut. You're, you're about to come into the, the, uh, epoch moment of it. Doesn't mean you won't have higher moments later because that's, what's awesome about the spiritual. And that's why I sowed to the spirit because to the flesh, you're very, very limited. Uh, strength or endurance. All of those things are attributes of the youth, but spiritually, wow, there's no limit. The anointing, you can, you can keep getting stronger and stronger. And that's why you want to keep on going. Praise God. So God's, God's timing does not coincide with natural elements, bear market, or here's a bull market. Now we go. No, no, you know, you don't need any of that. All you need is God's touch. And when that touch comes, it doesn't matter what's going on in this uh, career field or what's going on in this area. You can come in and you can begin to conquer. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Say this. Say I'm right on time. And you know what you are? You are. Praise the Lord. I see you flowering. I see you flourishing. Because you're the tree that's planted by the river of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 11, verse 6. I need to go just a little bit further, a little bit further on this. And Jesus said, and blessed is he who was not offended because of me. Well, what's he referring to? John, John the immerser, John the Baptist is rethinking things while he's sitting in prison. Sadly, he's about to lose his head. He got out of his place, sh should have stayed down in the wilderness. That's where his anointing was, but he, I think he was seeing all of the success and the, uh, the growth of Jesus's ministry. And, uh, and John uh, thought, well, maybe I needed to get out of the wilderness. Maybe I need to uh, copy him. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what the other ministers are doing. Uh, uh, God told them to do that, but you better stay in your anointing. Or if you end up in the King's palace, wait, yeah, yes, I need to get to the city. I need to get into the King's palace. Okay, go ahead and go. Uh, but when you do, you're going to lose your head. You're doing really good. 
when you're out in the wilderness. But you have to stay in your lane. So now he's in prison, about to lose his head. And of course, I'm sure the food's bad. I'm sure the mood lighting is bad. I'm sure everything is a very unpleasant state. And so he's down and he's discouraged and he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? What's going on? He's offended. He's actually offended at Jesus. He's saying, this is not right. This is not right. I'm sitting here in this prison. And he's, he's very upset at the Lord. That's why Jesus said in verse six, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Don't let timing issues get you mad at God. You're on the verge of the greatest breakthrough you've ever seen in your life. And the last thing you want is to actually make it through that season. But here comes the blessings and you just got through letting God have it. Straighten up, straighten up in these areas so that you can enjoy it with a good conscience. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. David said, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times. Some of you need to practice that and touch up on that a little bit. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. So don't, uh, don't try to time God. That's, that's really spiritual immaturity. I would even call it spiritual foolishness. <laughs> Actually celebrate God and keep following him real close and he'll make your life beautiful at the right time. And everything about your life, people will look at it and they'll say, wow, that is, uh, that person's got it going on. Praise the Lord. Watch out. That's what God's doing for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So let him do his work. Let him do his last minute placements Make those last-minute adjustments, lest there be loss when the release of the blessing comes. Mm-mm. Lest there be uh, poor decisions made once the blessing comes, because once the real one comes, and if you blow it then, you might not be able to recover that. Praise the Lord. It's too sacred. It's too sacred. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is having me share some of these things because we're just a few days away from Rosh Hashanah. Now, some of you, I'm sure, will watch this message later on and we'll have, you know, we'll have gone past that date. But for those that are watching this and uh, we haven't gotten there yet, or maybe we are actually on those days, it's a Saturday and a Sunday, that's September the 16th and the 17th, then here's something that I want you to consider. And before I share that, let me just share a few things. Um, in rabbinic Judaism, and that's different from the Bible, okay? Rabbinic Judaism is what the what's taught in the Mishnah or commentaries, what uh, the rabbis have uh, talked about and recorded over the years, whether it's the uh, collective rabbis that were in Babylon during the time of the captivity or other writings, uh, you'll actually see that concerning the new year, the Jews actually celebrate four new years. So in rabbinic Judaism, there's four new years that are celebrated. Uh, for example, you have a new year that would revolve around uh, the animals. And that's really so that uh, those that would be involved in agriculture or agrarian crop planting, using animals and all of that. That's so they can understand uh, how they can tithe on their animals. And so you've, you know you know you have new sheep and new cows and things like that. Okay, so uh, God gets a tenth, and now you can sort all of that out because you have a new year for the animals. You also would have a new year for the trees in the sense that you can now figure out uh, the tithe off of the tree. Um, Here's a picture. Let me put it on the screen right now. Uh, this is a picture of Kelly's, uh, Pastor Kelly's uh, apple tree at our home, and uh, that is the first harvest. Now, we had a few apples last year, but the tree is only two years old. What does that mean? Well, according to the Jewish rabbi teachings, you would bring the tithe in beginning the third year. Okay, so what does that mean? It means those apples that are growing right now, we could eat them, and they are very, very nice. Praise the Lord, and uh, Kelly just ate one. So, 
So there is actually a new year for the trees. That way you can know uh, beginning the third year when to bring the tithe in uh, to the storehouse concerning uh, the trees and the fruit and stuff like that. But you would also have a a civil new year, and that's really what we're looking at right now. It's kind of like what we would call our January 1st New Year's Day on a Gregorian calendar, which, you know, we as Christians know that's a pagan calendar. Okay, but to a degree, God will also honor that because we're forced to use it because of the culture in which we live. But uh, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, and God, I believe, honors that. Now, the Rosh Hashanah, now, let me say it like this. Feast of Trumpets is in the Bible. Rosh Hashanah as a new year is technically, is actually not in the scripture. But going back for, for centuries and even uh, millennia, the Jewish rabbis, the scholars, the sages have taught that on Rosh Hashanah, it is the beginning of God's new year. They actually say it's the day that Adam was created on by God himself. So uh, here's what I found about some of these Jewish traditions. The ones that are um, like this, kind of like along this line, usually you find out they're true. Uh, There are a lot of Jewish traditions in rabbinic Judaism. There's a lot of traditions and some are kind of silly, but there are some that the further you go back in history, uh, and also when you kind of like talk to prophets and how God works with feast days and things like that, uh, it's pretty amazing actually how accurate some of these things are. So I do believe that this is the actual new year. So for us, this will be Saturday and Sunday, September the 16th and the 17th. Now, Rosh Hashanah meaning hit of the year. And it always happens in the fall, and we are there. We're, you know, if you're watching this when it comes out on Wednesday midweek, we're almost there. We're just a few days away. So here's something that you need to know. On the Day of Atonement, that's 10 days after Rosh Hashanah. On the Day of Atonement, many people understand that there's the scrolls of destiny and that if you repent and you try to get your life right with God, the scrolls of destiny are sealed. But let me give you a little more insight on that. The, the sages of Judaism and the rabbis teach that the true sealing of the scrolls of destiny happened not on Yom Kippur, that's when the lazy ones, that's when the slaggards, the slackers, the ones that are kind of like not really in the serving God, that's the ones that have got to go through all kinds of repentance and searching inwardly for all kinds of things of not living right, not walking close with God. They're trying to get it all worked out. They need until the day of atonement to get all that. And then hopefully they can get it sealed on that day. Uh, for the ones that are on fire for God, God seals them on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so Pastor Stephen, what does that what does that mean I should do? I'm so glad you've asked. Let me get a hot drink of hot tea and I'll tell you. Praise the Lord. What you need to do is grab your notepad. Okay, grab a notepad and or a sheet of paper that's uh, very, very durable, okay? And a pen. And sit down this, uh, and relax. Get a cup of coffee, whatever makes you your happy moment. This probably might take like an hour. Don't rush through it. Sit down and write everything that you want God to do for you beginning uh, on the new year and th- that will be accomplished over this next year. I'm not talking about the Gregorian calendar. I'm talking about the Hebrew calendar uh, because God will honor this. Sit down and do this on Saturday or Sunday, okay? Feast of Trumpets, Rosh Hashanah, and write out your uh, your personal goals, and write out if you're if you are a businessman or businesswoman, write out your business goals. Uh, in other words, you can look back and you know how much that you made on tax returns last year. Write out how much you want God to bless you so that your business can make in this coming year. Uh, You know how much, based on your personal income, you made last year. Write out how much 
you want to make this year. If you have debt, especially if you have toxic debt, you know, credit cards and stuff like that, write out how much they are so that you can believe to get those paid off in full. Well, Pastor Stephen, I don't really know. Well, that's probably part of the problem. Find out exactly, I mean to the dollar amount, how much credit card debt you have, uh, how much this type of debt or that type of debt, student loan debt or whatever it might be, and write it down. And uh, just, you know, put these things on paper and then write out, God, this is what I'm believing you to do and sign it with your name and bring it before the Lord and present it to him on Rosh Hashanah on Saturday or Sunday and say, Lord, here is what I want written on my scroll of destiny. Now, Lord, seal it. And for your glory, I pray that you do this for me. Lord, I'm a tither. Lord, I'm a giver. Lord, I'm endeavoring to walk in your commandments. Lord, come on and do this thing for your glory. Seal this in Jesus name. Now you're going to have a lot of others that are fumbling around to the last minute that are just trying to get it all figured out. And they'll, they'll be all the way up to day of atonement, Yom Kippur, trying to get it all figured out. Uh, no, the rabbis have always taught that God works with the remnant. God works with the ones that are on fire. Uh, he'll do that on Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Woo. Come on, come on, come on. Write it out. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Speak blessing over it and trust God to seal it on that holy day. And then just keep it in a, a prominent place where you can see it. Not everybody else, not any visitors or maybe, uh, you know, grumbling family members who don't understand these type of things who might come over for a visit, but you might need to keep it in your holy place or your secret place of prayer. But somewhere that throughout the year, you can uh, just thank God for what he's doing in your life. And then uh, a year from now, you'll be able to look back and say, wow, God, amen. And remember nothing nothing will be impossible for you. So don't, now don't go wild and start, you know, shooting way over the moon, but don't just say, well, Lord, I better keep up with the, uh, with the rate of inflation. I'd better ask you for a little bit more. No, that that's just too way too low. Come on, use your faith and go out there and say, God, you're a mighty God and seal the scroll of destiny with this and give God something that makes God smile. Amen. Something that you're believing God to do. Hallelujah. If your business, if your business ran $2 million last year, don't, don't say, Lord, I'm believing you for 2.2. No, no, praise God. But wherever your faith is at, maybe 3.2 or something like that, meet God there. And if you feel, you feel there's a lot more potential, uh, okay, you know, uh, put that down. But that's why I'm saying this would probably take like an hour. Work with the Holy Spirit on this and trust God that you can get this sealed in your prayer time with the Lord on Rosh Hashanah. That's what it's all about. Praise God. It's the sealing of the destiny for the year. I think God's going to do it in a way where you know he's got it and it's going to make you laugh. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. One more scripture today, John chapter 10. Mm -mm. John chapter 10. I want to share something with you, and then we're going to take communion. That uh, surprisingly, the Lord told me is available as an early gift for those who have ears to hear, eyes to see. And I believe that you're watching because you fall into that category. Now, listen to this. John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Now, I have also understood that this is also something that will relate to the end time church. And while myself and some other prophets could pick up that this is probably not really going to begin to happen until the 2030s, the Lord told me today that for those who will receive it and believe it, that he will give it as an early promise to those that will believe him for it. What does that actually mean, Pastor Stephen? 
Well, it means for those that are walking in that anointing as sons of God, sons and daughters of God, it's literally the power over death. And if God calls you to preach in Pakistan uh, and you go, even if you're a Westerner, and you, but God calls you to go, you can go and you're not going to die. Mm-mm. You know, I know our government's trying to figure out ways to have power over the weather, but they've been doing that for decades now. I'll tell you, listen, I'll tell you who's going to have power over the weather. The church. We're going to, by the time Jesus comes back, we're going to have power over everything. Woo. I'm talking about the true church. I'm not talking about those that are just, you know, playing games. Praise God. But when Jesus comes back to take the saints home with him, you're going to see a conquering church, the blood bought, blood redeemed church walking in victory in every area, power over weather, power, uh, even over death, praise the Lord. And to the point more that even if they kill you, you've got power to raise it back up again. You could just say, no, I'm not in the mood to go home today. I haven't fulfilled my course yet. And so go ahead and pull the trigger, but ain't nothing going to happen. Or even if you pull it and you kill me and God's not done, I'll just get back up again. That's what happened to Paul. They stoned him and left him for dead. Why? Because he was dead and he got back up. Well, Pastor Stephen, I guess when Paul got back up, he must have ran like a dog with his tail tucked between his legs. He must have ran out of there. Uh, no, he went right back into the city. Well, those were the ones that stoned him. Yep, sure were. He went right back into the city. That's a statement of who's got the authority. That's a statement of, well, you killed me, but I'm back. You kill me again? God, I'll just get back up again. Woo! Wow. Praise the Lord. So what Jesus walked in and what he said is going to be writing on the end time church and as an early gift for those that can take it now, by the way, if you take it now, are you ready for this? You will be running minimum seven years ahead of the general body of Christ. You'll be running. You'll be running, um, 10 years ahead of most believers in this. Not, not, this is not a prideful thing. This is not like some kind of spiritual arrogance thing. No, this is just for those that are hungry and serious about God, because you may need it. You may need it. You may be in a place God says, preach. And you're like, Lord, this is kind of a hostile environment. The Lord says, I know I've got you and you do it. And you, and, and you just go for it. Well, pastor Stephen, what if you get hit in the head with a rock uh, and they kill you? Just get right back up again. Praise the Lord. Wow. Praise God. Let me, let me, let me uh, work with you a little bit, but some of you are struggling. Okay. You, you got scripture, but you're still struggling. This, by the way, a few throughout church history have already tasted this. And the reality is, is that many have now it will spread more to the body of Christ as we get further along, uh, as we get further into the end times and the, and closer to the Lord's, uh, imminent return. But even throughout church history, there have been those who have already exercised uh, this. Let me pop up a, a, a nice guy that you'll meet one day when you get to heaven. Uh, you're looking on the screen at a man uh, known now as St. Dennis. I know what you're thinking. Uh, Pastor Stephen, how come he's holding his head in his hands? Well, he's doing that because this is the famous St. Dennis who was martyred. He is now known as the first Bishop of Paris. And you have to understand that the area of France, modern day France, a lot of it back in that time was all under the authority of Rome and it was paganism, Rome. So Dennis traveled from Italy intentionally to preach the gospel to the pagans in Gaul, G-A-U-L, or the area, the ancient area of Rome. And he went to the area that is uh, now known today as France. And he preached. And for a while, he was doing a fantastic job. He started churches, had an underground church. There was a lot of persecution. They had to meet in the catacombs. And there's actually a place in Paris that you can go to where you could actually go into the actual catacomb where he used to have a home church. 
And uh, so that's not like a real popular tourist attraction, but it is there. Uh, but eventually, uh, eventually the Roman authorities wanted Dennis, uh, Bishop Dennis, to, you know, worship the emperor as God. And he said, oh, no, you know, I can't do that. And they said, well, you know, we're going to take your head off if you don't. He said, well, go ahead. And they did. And they cut his head off. They thought, well, I guess we shut him up. And uh, you know what happened? When they, when they cut his head off, his head fell to the ground. His body uh, reached over and picked the head up. Well, Pastor Stephen, did he stick it back up on his neck? Nope. He just carried it right around here down by his belly and uh, picked it up. And he walked for three miles and preached the whole way. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me. No one. No one. The only reason you give it up is you just, just choose to do it. No one takes it from me. Well, what if they do? You can take it back up again. But I lay it down to myself. I have power. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it again. This command I have received from my father, that anointing is coming on the end time church for those that will listen and receive it by the spirit. You can take it now. Mm -mm. Well, pastor Stephen, what happened to St. Dennis? He walked for three miles and uh, finished his sermon and then said, this is the place I want to be buried. It was next to, uh, uh, actually next to a Benedict monk, uh, a monastery today it is the famous place of St. Dennis Abbey church. Praise God. Nice, nice little country church. Take a look at this church. Here's the outside of it. Of course you can go there today. This is pr pretty much the city of Paris is built uh, on the faith and the backbone of this man's preaching. Praise God. Beautiful church on the outside. Pretty nice, huh? Take a look at the inside. Isn't that nice? Hallelujah. Well, he lost his head, but uh, he decided to leave after he found a nice place to be buried and said, I think I'll just go home to be with Jesus and y'all build a nice, nice little church in my absence. And they did. And of course, the gospel prepared. By the way, that church is where almost all of the famous kings of France are buried. Why? They all want to be next to the saint. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord. But see, you call your shots. You call the shots under the anointing of the Spirit, not the enemy. If God says, I'm with you. Go preach here. Let the bullets fly. You're coming out alive. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, if you, if you do that in the flesh, uh, it's not going to end well. But if you do it in the spirit, watch out. You'll probably need this anointing. Of course, you, you, you would. Glory to God. But there are those that are listening to me. You're thinking, yeah, you're, you pick, you're picking up on what the spirit is saying. I have a pastor friend. I talked to him just the other day. There was, there was some heavy persecution that hit the churches in Pakistan. He said, he said, Brother Stephen, I called a, pa uh, uh, a pastor friend of mine, a uh, Pakistani man, and he said, uh, Brother Stephen, he said, I woke up yesterday morning, and on my cell phone were 6,000 missed calls and messages. 6,000. Why? The Christians are in a panic. The Christians are being persecuted. The, this and this and this. And he's the go-to guy. And they were burning his phone up. And what do you do if you're that man? You're, see, we need anointings like this. Praise God so that you can preach fearless, fearlessly, whether you're a street preacher. And look, this is not just Pakistan. This is Los Angeles. This is Chicago. This is uh, uh, other parts where there are those in these places that might not be too happy about what you're saying. London, wherever it might be. Praise God. But God is with you. God is with you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that want to receive this anointing, lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. Some of them, it's burning like a fire. Father, I thank you that not only St. Dennis walked in this, but many, uh, the Huguenots and uh, the Jansons throughout church history, where spears were poked at them and couldn't penetrate them, and uh, fires were burned, uh, were lit, but would not consume them. And they would even laugh in the fire and say, maybe you need some more wood. Maybe you need a sharper spear. And they would laugh and laugh. Father, I just thank you 
that uh, the end time church will know nothing but victory. And when we leave, we leave in victory and we leave on terms of overcoming. Father, let that anointing touch the forehead as a fire. Let it touch the forehead of your people. Now receive in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You got it. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, bless your people. Now, if you're watching today's teaching, you don't know Jesus. What are you waiting for? You need to come to Christ or you're heading, you're heading, uh, you're heading to a devil's hell. Come to Jesus right now. If you used to be a believer, you fell off in the sin. Come back right now. Jesus will save you. Wash your sins away. Don't think just because you once knew Jesus, you can go out there and live like a rat. Come back right now and let his blood cleanse you. Repent. Come back right now. Now let's pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life fully to you. Save me now. Wash my sins away. Write my name in the book of life. And step into my life, Jesus, and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Sure feels good to be clean, doesn't it? Sure feel, feels good to be right with God. Hallelujah. Woo, praise the Lord. Amen. For those of you that prayed that, welcome to the family of God. For those of you that rededicated your life to Christ, welcome back. Amen. Never to drift again. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take Holy Communion today. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab a little cracker. Grab some grape juice or whatever you have. Apple juice or whatever you've got. Dr. Pepper, if that's all you've got. And let's pray. Father, we, we bless the bread, the juice. We bless it through this prayer. And we set it apart as being holy. And we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. We thank you that the blood is more than enough. We thank you that the bread is our food, our nourishment. Father, as we receive the Lord's flesh, we thank you that all things are possible to him who believes. We thank you. We believe. We believe that. We thank you that this is going to be an epic year in which you will be greatly glorified and your kingdom will be increased greatly. We thank you for your glory upon our lives. We return it all unto you, all thanksgiving and honor and praise. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Praise God. Praise God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for clean hearts, clean conscience. We thank you, Father, for victory over temptation. We pray that you lead us away from temptation and that you deliver us from the evil one. We thank you, Father, for helping us to work with our thought life, where our thoughts are meditating upon things that are pure and true and just and, and uh, things that are faithful and lovely. We give you praise for this. We give you all of the praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for a very accurate scroll to be sealed on Rosh Hashanah. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together of the Lord's blood. Praise the Lord. My friends, let me put up on the screen ways in which you can give to support the work of the Lord. Please remember also on October the 1st, that's a Sunday, 2023. We're only a few weeks out. That is the Feast of Tabernacles. And on that day, God says, don't come before me empty handed. Let's bring God a seed of, of love and joy and honor 
and sow your very best seed on that day. We are believing on that day that through God's mighty power, he will give you great seed to sow and that the remaining balance owed on our field of dreams, 14.5 acres, we will pay it off. Praise God. So sow your best and partner with us in this great work of the Lord to continue to send the gospel around the world. Right now, our satellite outreach is just a little over 3 billion potential viewers. We are in television in over 200 nations of the world. We could not do that without your love, your generous giving. Thank you so much. I'm believing God to do a miracle on the seed that you sow. Please prepare your seed and sow it either on October 1st or a few days before. Get it in. I will be praying over each seed that comes in. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pop up on the screen also. I'm coming to London in just a few more days. Praise God. I'm looking forward to ministering in London, England. That information is up on the screen now. I'll be ministering Friday night at 6 o'clock. Saturday, 12 o'clock noon. And Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning. Come on, jump into these meetings. I believe the Holy Spirit will be moving very, very powerfully. Praise the Lord. Jump into these meetings. I'd love to see you there. And as always, thank you so much for your prayers, your care, your love and support of this ministry. All right, I'll see you back again real soon. Have a wonderful week and get your Rosh Hashanah scroll ready. And when it's all written out just the way that you want it, sign it, date it, and present it to the Lord and ask him to seal it. And he will. And watch what he will do for you. Praise God. God bless you. I'll see you real soon.